I learned from my old CEO at Chuck E. Cheese, Dick Frank, that performance drives morale, not the other way around. And I think there's a lot of leaders out there that think, hey, if I'm just super friendly and I run this country club push atmosphere where the employees are happy, they're going to perform better. And, and I know there's a lot of things that, that we can do for our teams to provide a great environment for them. But I, I've seen many, many leaders and companies fail around this because they, they don't understand the employees have to win. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Josh, how are you? Matt, I am doing great. I am feeling like a big shot today, but how are you? <laughs> well, I'm, as usual, fantastic feeling, fantastic, but I also feel like a big shot. But before we get into that, let me ask you a question. All right. Do you golf? People ask me that, and it's such a binary question, but it, I, I cannot give a binary response to that. Uh, do I golf? Not regularly. Uh, when I do, I enjoy it. Uh, I'm also not good at it, um, but I have, and I will if someone asks me to. <laughs> what What about you? <laughs> um, kind of the same. Like, I'm... I'm I'm much better at like mini golf, right? To be to be honest, um, hitting a ball straight down a fairway has never been my strength. I've never really worked on it either. Um, never something I've had a desire to do. I've only played, I think, like an actual round of golf like two or three times in my life. Mm, um, okay. One of them was with my parents when I first moved down to Florida because everybody plays golf in Florida, okay. and um, so my parents came down to visit. And we had a, I don't know, two or three boxes full of golf balls. And I think we lost them all in the first like eight holes, you know, right, so as one does. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that was, you know, one of my first experiences, but the reason I'm asking, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up the fact that you, you do it, you kind of like to do it. You would do it if people asked you, but maybe you're not, you're not Tiger Woods, you know, you're not, you know, a great golfer at all is because our guest today talks about the fact that people don't have to be good at what his facility offers to go and enjoy it. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me because I've listened <laughs> to the interview. I was I was there. Uh, yeah, so uh, TJ Shear is the chief operating officer of Big Shots Golf, uh, which is a, a golf entertainment product. So you are you're able to, to go uh, and it's very much a social experience. So when you think of 
when you think of golf, yeah, you know, you might have, uh, you know, three other people with you or so and get a couple of golf carts and, you know, you might chat, might, might do some business deals and whatnot. But, you know, this is made specifically uh, for the entertainment aspect of it, for social and also being competitive with your friends. And it's similar to, I would say, a game of mini golf. You're playing each other, right? In this case, you are you are there. You've got the bay. If you think of a, a driving range, very similar to that. But you've got the food and beverage aspect of it, which is, which is huge in a core component of it as well. And being able to play games with your friends is very much what it's all about versus you need to be good at golf to come and do this. Absolutely. And one of the things I think is really fascinating is the way he talks about the food element of this experience, because, you know, as he says, you don't typically go to an entertainment venue for the food. Right. I mean, I think a lot of places are really upping the game when it comes to their food offerings. But he said we wanted to be, you know, on the on the Google Maps as a restaurant as much as we are an entertainment facility. So really kind of amping up the the food that they offer and the way that they offer it, I think, is is right on brand and right on par, no pun intended, with the kind of uh, facility and the kind, of, the kind of experience that they're trying to create. Right. It's it's the entertainment concept, right? It is it is both food and entertainment. So that really being woven in. And that's something that I, I feel like much of the FEC industry has been doing a really good job in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years or so, maybe even maybe even earlier than that, uh, of really amping up the the food product quality and recognizing that, yeah, people might not uh, come here because of the food, but they will eat while they're here, but also really starting to reverse that trend. And yeah, we want to go there to have fun, but also I'm going to plan it around a mealtime as well because they've got a great menu and you know they, they really know what they're doing with their food product. And, and TJ's background is very much uh, in the restaurant industry as well. So he's a franchise owner of Witch Witch Sandwiches, um, which when I, when I lived in Orlando, I had one near me and I would go there and love the concept. You take a paper bag and a yep. marker and you write down your order on it. You turn in your bag. Pretty cool. You can customize your sandwich that way. Uh, but he also spent 18 years with Chuck E. Cheese. So that's kind of like the, the OG entertainment uh, uh, brand. Yeah. And the other thing I think is is really cool is how he talks about now that, he, that he's with big shots is that he wants everybody to feel like a big shot. And it's not just the guests, it's also the employees. And I want everybody to listen really carefully when he talks about that orientation and what they did for that first hour of orientation with their team. But he really goes on to say, this is about selling a feeling. We're not selling tea times, right? We're not selling food, although that's what people are getting, but they're they're selling a feeling. And it's that feeling of, I don't have to be good at golf to go enjoy myself and then be able to, you know, talk, tell my friends about it, put out a good review and then want to come back. So they want to want to experience that feeling again and again. And, and that feeling and our industry and the experience based industry drives everything else that happens between arrival and departure. And the sooner your staff gets into that mindset and the mentality of, uh, you know, is that guest walking away happy? Is it, are they having the desired feeling, the desired emotional outcome that we want from them? That then gears those those granular interactions that they have with their guests uh, every, every single moment of the day. Absolutely. Um, so is it time to get to uh, TJ's interview? Let's uh, tee up and chat with TJ. Four. Hey, TJ, welcome to the Attraction Pros podcast. How are you? I am doing great, Matt. Great to see you again. 
Great to see you. Uh, so excited to have you on the show. I know, you know, before we started recording, you and I crossed paths many, many years ago. So excited to catch up. So um, can you kind of give us a, a little bit of your history, um, your, your your professional history and background? Sure. It's, uh, I'm old, so it's a little bit long, but um, it's, it's really kind of three or four big chunks. I actually spent 18 years working for Chuck E. Cheese Pizza. It was my first job when I turned 16 and Went all the way through uh, grad school working for them. And then after I got out of grad school, I moved to their corporate office. So I spent a long time with uh, working for the the other mouse that's uh, famous in the United States. And uh, in 2001, I decided to go out on my own and start my own speaking and consulting business. So I, I really did that up until uh, 2021. And I spent about 20 years doing the speaking and consulting business, which was awesome, helping companies and family entertainment centers really kind of build systems and cultures. Uh, along that, that same 20-year window, I got this uh, crazy idea to become a restaurant franchisee as well. So a group of uh, people that I used to work with at Chuck E. Cheese, we all pulled some funds together, became franchisees of uh, Witch Witch Superior Sandwiches in 07. We actually got up to 17 locations at one point and uh, kind of realized it probably wasn't for all of us longer term. So I still have one franchise location left. I, I like to call it my charitable endeavor these days, but I still am a Witch Witch franchisee. I have one location outside Austin, Texas. And uh, and then in 2021, I joined a company called Big Shots Golf. Our parent company is invited, formerly known as Club Corp. They manage a lot of golf, country clubs, city clubs, stadium clubs, and They've got a startup brand called Big Shots Golf that I've been running for the last year and a half, and it's been amazing. It's a dream gig for me because I love golf, hospitality, food, and beverages, and this is everything all in uh, one big venue, so it's been great. Excellent. So I'm curious, after spending 18 years with Chuck E. Cheese and then launching your consulting and speaking business, and you talk about helping uh, helping companies kind of build their culture, was it... I, I've got to imagine that a lot of it was based on your time with Chuck E. Cheese. So was it about trying to deliver that type of experience or that type of culture? Or can you share kind of a little bit of, of what the uh, what the type of consulting that, that you would do? Sure. It, it was amazing when you, when you kind of step outside of a company, especially when you work for one for so long. Um, and, you know, Chuck E. Cheese and, and really the FEC business way back then was was very, very much in its infancy. And I think a lot of people really kind of scoffed at Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, that's not a real restaurant. Oh, it's not a real amusement park. But gosh darn it, they're sitting at 45 years in business this year and they're still kicking and they're still doing things right and growing. So when I got out, what I had really learned was they had in, an incredible clarity with why they were here. And it was a very simple operating objective. Every guest leaves happy. And as I got into the consulting business, I guess, I guess really kind of when I was going out, we had done a lot of employee incentive programs. And at the time for the bulk of my office career there, I was the director of training. And, and I was in this group called Charts, the Council of Hotel and Restaurant Trainers. And I always saw a lot of other restaurant and hotel trainers struggling with how to get ops to buy into what training is doing, how to get the employees to actually do things when training is over. And I really latched on to using incentives at Chuck E. Cheese. And so what, what happened was we would roll out a sales training content or a sales training is an ex example. And then we would tie a contest to that. And then I could go show the operators and my bosses, look, here's what this initiative costs, but here's the return we got. And a lot of times trainers struggle with 
how much of an ROI do they get on the training? And so I, I used incentives as that really the, the lever for maximizing, maximizing impact to training. As I went into the consulting world, I did a lot of speaking on how to motivate and, and incentivize this generation. It's amazing. I've, I've been uh, with Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, I've been gone from Chuck E. Cheese for years and years and years. But um, when I went to get a job there when I was 16, everybody said, oh, this generation's entitled. They're lazy. They don't want to come to work. Uh, fast forward 40 years, we're all the same. We're all saying the same things. And so uh, while everything's changed, nothing has. And, and so what I did is I got out into the consulting world was talk a lot about how to, how to deal with hiring issues and retention issues. Uh, and then I latched on to helping companies really build training programs around operational behaviors. I think one of the things that was, I was very beneficial when I worked at Chuck E. Cheese was I reported up to the COO and, and a lot of trainers report up to HR and it makes sense in a lot of companies, but I was just very much drilled into my head. Everything you need to do with training is all about ops and everything you do in ops is all about training and retention and people are all, all wrapped into that. And so I really helped small companies put systems, training and, and procedures into place to really drive operational effectiveness through the employees. Because, you know, as you guys know, if we can have clarity for the employees and treat them well, then they should be treating the guests well. And there's so many companies out there that have words on pieces of paper that say, oh, yeah, we treat the guests right. But then when you go into the, the employee experience, it's not anything like that whatsoever. So it was, it was very fortunate, the group uh, that I had kind of traveled through with my path over time, that, uh, that it was very successful in helping me move out down the road. TJ, from a trainer's perspective, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, but one thing I definitely <laughs> want to I want to touch on um, is the fact that you said you reported up to the COO uh, because you're right. A lot of trainers will be in HR or they'll even you know come from the operation, um, but few have that direct link to the COO. And you know everything that a trainer does is based on the culture that the whole organization is looking for. And that comes from the CEO's vision or the CEO or the, the organization. And so to have that tie, I think was really cool. So when you stepped out and started doing consulting, how did you get their buy-in if you didn't have it already? You know, for example, you go in and you say, this is how we need to treat our team members. This is how we need to, you know, um, you know, train them. But the COO is like, or the, you know, even the, you know, anybody in the executive positions like, well, we've been doing all right so far. Why do we need to do this stuff? So I'm just curious on some of the things you did to kind of help get their buy-in. When I would approach a company, what I learned a long time ago as a trainer at Chuck E. Cheese was the only way I could impact anybody because I was nobody's boss was through being credible. I had to gain credibility with the multi-unit operators, the GMs, the franchisees, depending on which audience I was serving. And so when I would go into a, cons a consultative role with the company, uh, I typically would get in the door through a, a referral or somebody that I knew, or you know, somebody saw me speak at the national restaurant show or IAP or one of those shows. And so I'd get contacted that way a lot, but um, I had to build credibility with the leadership group of that organization. But then my first step when I would start working with companies like that, and, and it was painful for, for some of the groups to get through this, but I always said, look, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to sit down with your, your employees, your frontline managers, your GMs, whoever that was. Um, I want to have a town hall to find out what they think the group needs. And while they were a little bit hesitant sometimes to do that, I, I said, look, I, I need to do this for two reasons. One, 
their ideas need to be baked into this. I don't want you all to ram TJ's program down their throats with no input. Um, so I want them to feel like they had a little buy-in. Um, but they have so many good ideas. And, and so I needed to get those in from my standpoint because they know more about the jobs than I do that they do each and every day. So I would get their ideas, get their buy-in. And then what I also learned was I could see who my roadblocks were going to be out there, what, what manager was going to be a tough sell, what manager really bought into this. So as we, we started to scale some of this out within the brands, we would roll it out in, in with some of the, the peer group that everybody respected that we knew would, would be our cheerleader out there. So and then we let them roll the program out instead of me. And, and if we ran into some roadblocks, we would, and typically the, the leadership knew which GM or which multi-unit manager was going to be the negative person out there that was pushing back. So, yeah, I just, I really use that credibility piece. And, and now that I'm in a COO role and I actually just talked at the, the chart conference in Austin a, a, a couple of weeks ago with a couple other friends of mine that had grown up through training that are now into COO or president roles. And we were, the three of us were talking to this, the trainers about how can you gain credibility at the operations table, whether you report to them or not. And, and talking about learning how to do things like strategic planning and, and ROI analysis on, on the kinds of rollout programs that they're doing so that it's not just touchy-feely. It, it's really things that impact the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. Uh, TJ, there was uh, something you mentioned a few minutes ago, and that was about uh, the importance of treating your employees well so that they treat their guests well. And that many organizations, they might have you know those, those words on the wall, there's back-of-house posters and, and whatnot, but really yeah. being able to to kind of create some uh, tangible output there. Uh, can you share a little bit more? Can you expand on how the employee experience influences the guest experience? Yeah, and I'm going to probably walk a fine line here too because I, I think I learned a long time ago, and people may disagree with this, but I learned from my old CEO at Chuck E. Cheese, Dick Frank, that performance drives morale, not the other way around. And I think there's a lot of leaders out there that think, hey, if I'm just super friendly and I run this country club push atmosphere where the employees are happy, they're going to perform better. And and I know there's a lot of things that that we can do for our teams to provide a great environment for them. But I, I've seen many, many leaders and companies fail around this because they, they don't understand. The employees have to win. When we win, our team's winning. When we're on a winning team, everybody feels good. That really is kind of the 1A and 1B versus the morale driving performance. I, I, I think people are probably sitting out there right now going, well, if I'm happy, I'm going to work harder. And I, I'm going to disagree with you that not a lot of people are going to be like that. And, and I see managers run cushy, cushy environments. And, and I'll give you a perfect example. Um, when I was in high school, I grew up uh, in Houston until I was a, halfway through my junior year of high school. And I was a pretty good student. And in my high school in Houston, if we had a C average or better, one absence or less during the second semester, we didn't have to take finals. The attendance in my high school was really, really, really high. Yes, you had the kind of the old Jeff Spicoli's from Fast Times at Ridgemont High that were never going to show up, but those were those were in the in minority. I moved halfway through my junior year to New Jersey. The high school does not have that policy. I have to take finals because that's the rule. And I, the, I skipped school for three days right before finals to work at the 1984 U.S. Golf Open because because I could. And and so you sit here and look at me, the employee. I acted two totally different ways based on how I was managed. And so I think 
my takeaway from that was leaders. And, and this is true back when I was a high school kid, and it's true now. If we give the employees something that they want, not what I want, something that they want, they'll work harder to get to those goals. And, and that means do a better job, take care of the guests in a better way. And it's not all the ping pong table and the free snacks in the office break room. It's really... I've, I've got a great leader who's really getting me to believe in something bigger, helping me develop skills that I can move forward with. And, and I'm going to help that team win. And I, I just, I firmly believe that if, if you drive your team to winning and they understand what's in it for them, if they win, then it's great. And that's where incentives really work out. You know, we launched an employee incentive program here at Big Shots when we opened our first corporate location. We use a, a platform called Bonusly. And so we have an employee loyalty program. They get milestone retention bonuses. When we see their names pop up in a survey uh, positively for the guests from a guest, we give them bonusly points. And every hundred points is $10. So um, the employees now all of a sudden are out there looking to try and work harder and get recognized. And the cool thing is it's peer to peer as well. So the employees can recognize each other. Yes, some of them abuse it sometimes. Hey, give me 50 points and I'll give you 50 points. So we still have to manage some of those things, but it really does help engage the employees. It teaches the managers how to start finding people doing things right, rewarding the desired behaviors instead of just running around and knocking everybody on the head that's, that's not doing something right with a hammer. And, and so it really is a valuable tool to teach our managers how to recognize the employees and drive performance through the guest experience and our, and our frontline employees. Absolutely. Again, so much from from my perspective that uh, that I'd love to unpack there. But I also don't want to um, uh, not talk about big shots because that's your your new gig and and yeah. something I think we need to talk about. So, can you talk to us to us a little bit about what that what that attraction is? Sure. I, um, we're a large outdoor golf entertainment venue. Um, you guys all know who the eight hundred pound gorilla is in our industry. I have mad respect for them. They paved the way for, for brands like us to even get into this space. And so when 180 foot high nets and poles go up, everybody in the, that area thinks they know what they're getting. And um, most of the time they're right. And other times they get a place like Big Shots Golf or some of our other competitors. So if you haven't been to one of those large outdoor golf entertainment venues, uh, we're the second largest player right now. We're getting ready to open location number six next week and number seven in uh, in November. Far, far, far cry from, from the, the big gorilla out there. But um, we have a 200-yard driving range with targets out there. We have proprietary games, so the radar tracks the ball. We can play fun games. You can play virtual courses. Where we differ slightly from some of the other players out there is we actually have a branded restaurant. Our, our chef and our culinary team has done an amazing job. And when I got here, some of the things that I had learned in the FEC space was people don't go to Chuck E. Cheese main event, Dave and Buster's, those kind of places to eat, but they all eat while they're there. And, you know, if restaurants near me, if you put that into Google or put it into your maps and Big Shots Golf pops up, People aren't going to think to go there to eat or if they're ordering DoorDash or third-party delivery, if they see Big Shots Golf, they're not going to order from us. So we created a, a restaurant brand called Anthem. And so our, our tagline for the guest is here, everyone's a big shot. That's how we want to treat the guest. Uh, and then we came up with the, and every big shot has an anthem. And, and for us, it's the walkout music. It's the, you know, it's a killer sports bar is what it is. And, and it's that, we want that feeling when you come into Big Shots, whether you're playing golf or eating, 
just like you go into the, your favorite team where they go to football stadium or sports arena and the basket or the goal or the touchdown score and everybody kind of breaks into that chant, you know, you're in the game. That's what we've tried to brand our restaurant as because we want people to come here and eat. We want, we want them to order our food to go or get it delivered. Uh, because instead of just coming here, being on a long wait on a Saturday, going somewhere else till you get the text to come back to golf, we want them to stay stay in our venue. We've got um, we've got a big yard area in most of our venues, so that's got cornhole and life size jenga and some just some fun places to come hang around. And then um, the putting aspects of family entertainment business and competitive socializing these days has, has boomed. So we're now putting putting courses in uh, outdoors. Currently, we're going to move those indoors here in our, our next wave of prototypes but um i can't quite divulge what we're getting ready to do but probably at the very beginning of 2024 you are going to see a radical reinvention of golf entertainment uh at least from us and it is going to really be something that is quite unique from what everybody else is doing out there right now we're just an iteration of the competition and we're innovating away from that and so it's been a really cool to be part of a small brand that we can put our fingerprints on and really mold what this, this brand is going to be one from a physical structure, but two from the, the employee and the team member experience that we have here as well. Mm. Well, I love how you just gave a subtle teaser that really builds a lot of <laughs> anticipation right there, but don't worry. We won't ask any more questions about that or anything that, uh, that you can't divulge at this time. Um, but I, I want to go back actually to uh, the concept of everyone is a big shot. I, I love mm -hmm. that phrase. It sounds uh, just so welcoming and really just embracing of, of the guest experience. And you talked a little bit kind of uh, about that with, with the restaurant and kind of, you said the, you know, the, the walkout song and all that. Can, uh, can you expand a little bit on, on that concept and kind of, I would say how it came to be and really what that means? Sure. When you, when you think a lot of people think what we do is, is all about golf. Oh, I don't want to go to big shots because I'm not any good at golf. Heck, you know what? 90% of the people that that are in a Big Shots Golf and most of these other outdoor entertainment venues, they're not very good at golf. It's They're new to golf. And I always joke around because we're owned by a, a company that owns 200 country clubs. And I said, look, the people that, that join country clubs aren't necessarily good at golf either. They just have a little more money. Um, and, and so what we wanted to do was we want people to come in here and, and we sell a feeling. And we obviously said, here's a, here everyone's a Big Shot. So if you can imagine... Um, I, I was doing this the other day. I was out in uh, our location in Bryan College Station, and I, I look out through the bar window, and I see this guy holding the golf club like an axe. And I walk out there, and I say, let me show you how to hold the golf club. And he hits the ball, and it probably went 80 yards in the air, but he just turns around, and he is, like, celebrating. And that's what we sell. And so we have some great team members on our, our, our staffs that they go out and look for moments to make people feel like a big shot. And, and we've got some really cool people that have latched on to things. Our, our internal mantras, be the unexpected. Do something that the, the guest doesn't expect. Help the little kid uh, hit the golf ball. And uh, those, are, those are really kind of our North Star or our compass tagline and mantra to really help our employees get them to understand what we're trying to do here. We don't just want to put a person in a tee box, let them hit golf balls for an hour and leave. And we want them to enjoy this hopefully come back and you know what again we're a, we're owned by a country club group we want them to eventually get out to the real golf courses and get on the green grass so um, it's really kind of like a top of the funnel approach for us in, in the golf business tj i'm curious if we can um go a little deeper into 
how we get people to deliver the unexpected, because I think sometimes the the drawback or the fear is that even I as an employee don't know what the unexpected is, right? So how am I supposed to li- deliver something to a guest that, you know, I've got to think of something, I've got to be creative, whatever, you know, the they're, they're thinking there. So what are some things that you've done to try to inspire your staff to create the unexpected uh, situations for your guests? You know, I think first and foremost, yeah, you have to hire people with this DNA that, that really get the, the understanding of, of trying to help people out. What really attracted me to Big Shots Golf and, and really kind of the whole FEC space, and this goes back to my Chuck E. Cheese days, everybody is coming here to have a good time. If they're going to an amusement park, if they're going to an FEC, if they're going to Big Shots Golf, they're here to have a good time. If I'm going to get my car fixed because my, my battery's dead, I'm not in a good mood as a guest when I go there. So we really try and get everybody to understand, hey, people are here to celebrate something. Just find out what it is. And the beauty of today's technology, um, when somebody makes a reservation today on our system online, they might tell us it's their birthday. It's an anniversary. It's a bachelorette party, whatever the case may be. So now we have clues the minute they come in to say, oh, hey, happy birthday, Johnny, or whatever the case may be. Not that that's earth shattering or some great level of service that nobody else does. But it's acknowledging that guest when they come in. And, and it's a, something as simple as that, that that starts the process to get the team members to understand that. Um, and, and then it's, it's funny because we, uh, I got a, a, a text from our director of training here uh, last night. And they're out in Utah right now training everybody. And she said, how can you deliver unexpected to a kid? You know, somebody had their first day of school and they come to Big Shots Golf after that. And, and so we said, there you give them the, we have a special drink called the blue cloud lemonade for kids. And the employee says, we're allowed to do that. And, and the trainer says, yes, you're allowed to give, give somebody like that a free drink. She goes, wow, it's pretty different to work for a, a company that actually cares about their guests. And, and so it's not that we have to do anything ornate, but it's amazing when you, you kind of put the guardrails in for the employees and just let them come up with the unique things and, and it's amazing to see what they come up with. And, and you, so they start looking for clues for how can I make this memorable? Now, not all of them do it. I, I understand it. We do get in the weeds and we miss some of those things some of the times, but that's where we do a lot of surveys and, and post visit feedback to find out what did we do right? What do we need to improve on? Um, and I think our secret weapon really is, and I stole this from Disney in the four seasons when we do orientation with our team members. We just did this last Friday night in St. George, Utah. We had 180 employees come in. I have 30 tee boxes. There are six people per tee box. All the 180 team members as they came in were welcomed by our training staff and managers as a guest. So their first hour they, they work for us, they are a guest. They're put into tee boxes. We feed them. They get to play all the games. And, and so then at that point when they're done, we say, hey, how do you guys all feel? Oh, man, this was awesome. That's exactly what we do. We, we made you feel like a big shot. Now the next five days plus our four practice rounds, you're going to learn how to make everybody else feel like you guys just did the first hour you were here. And, and I know that's a little bit difficult to do in a full service restaurant or in a, you know, an auto repair shop. But if you really think about how you can deliver that same experience a la Disney or Southwest Airlines or Four Seasons, it really isn't that hard to do. You just got to make them feel like a guest. And then everything else is just still begin with the end in mind. I'm going to now train you how to do that. And you have to have 
that that mantra, that tagline, you know, the Ritz has ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Uh, when I worked at Chuck E. Cheese, every guest leaves happy. When we got to Witch, which we created our own, it was make the guests say wow. You just had to have that one tagline and that rallying cry that the managers could point at and say, hey, Mr. or Ms. Employee, that's exactly what we're talking about. Or I was using the analogy in my Witch Witches. It's, an ex- it's a sandwich shop, okay? It's not this 14-acre, $20 million facility. It's a 1,500-square-foot sandwich shop. Make the guests say, wow. Guest brings in a coupon from another Witch Witch location that we don't own. The employee says, do I take it? Well, I say, what's the mantra? Make the guests say, wow. What's the answer? Yes, I take it. Yes, you're right. You don't have to ask me that again. And so even in a sandwich business like this, if you have the right mantra and rallying cry and the managers are living what you are espousing, then you're good. You have the wrong GM, good luck. Doesn't matter what the paper says on the wall. You have the wrong person leading that thing. You you can't, great culture can't fix a bad GM. Mm -hmm. Everything you just said, I love this. Matt can tell you, this is what I geek out about all day long about just creating those those wow experiences, making the guests say wow, uh, going beyond expectations. You know, you talk about I. Uh, you said people people come here because they want to have fun, whether it's to an amusement park, to an FEC, to Big Shots Golf. Uh, and then you gave the comparison of when you go to get your car fixed, you don't expect to have fun, which means the expectation is on a bit of a different scale. Meaning you have a lower expectation of enjoyment when you go. To mm-hmm. get, I, I just had all four of my tires replaced, and I thought like wow, like I'm, I'm driving to go do something that I'm not excited about, right? Which actually means that they've got an easier opportunity to exceed my expectations because the bar is so low, which in our yep. industry, we don't have that advantage, right? We are, we are promising people, we are delivering the expectation uh, that they're going to have a fantastic experience, that they're going to have fun. Uh, and then that presents a challenge because, uh, because now you have to over-deliver on what's already yeah. a very high expectation. You know, we've heard the phrase, you know, under promise and over deliver, and that doesn't work anymore. Anyone who's in marketing says, no, that's not what we do. We, you know, we, we over promise, but now operations needs to over deliver the over promise. So I think my yeah. the question that kind of comes out of this is, is really balancing that with expectations and uh, kind of getting that down to the front line with the training that you do and, and making them feel like a guest of really instilling that expectation uh, of what the guests have in the staff uh, and saying, this is, this is already extremely high. And now here are ways that we can take that beyond. Yeah. And I think as a leader, you you have to put some systems in place to, to get the, the momentum started. And, And I'll give you an example. And I still talk about this from decades ago when we worked at Chuck E. Cheese and this is, this is 20 plus years ago, but when you used to go to Chuck E. Cheese, you got a red number with your your ticket number. So that's when you put that on your table. We knew that's where to deliver the food. We also at that time gave you a blue stand that we called it our, our check or our guarantee. It said if everything's not 100% satisfactory, let us know immediately. We can replace it free of charge. I left in 2001. I still have that memorized verbatim because it is just ingrained. It is just in my DNA. To the guest, it was our service guarantee. So they got a red number and a, and a blue stand. The red number was, we'll bring your pizza out to you. The, the blue stand was our service guarantee. Internally, that blue stand was a signal to us. So if we ran a pizza, we pulled, picked the red stand up, we left the blue stand there. That was the system for the managers that you had to go check back. If somebody was eating and there was a blue stand there, nobody had been to check on the guest. So the manager would go out, 
check on the guests. Isn't that pepperoni pizza amazing? Pull the blue stand away. Now we know every guest has been visited. Soon after you develop habits, you don't need the blue stand. You don't need the check back. Um, you know, Bubba Gump Seafood Company does the run forest run and the stop forest stop license plate. You put systems into place to teach people the habits that you want. And pretty soon after a while, they're ingrained. You don't need the system in place anymore. But I think that's where managers, all the, they'll just say, hey, go take care of the guests. Do checkbacks. Well, then when you're vague like that and you don't have a system in place, you don't know if they've done them or not. And, and I think that's where leadership, you put these basic systems into place, makes it a lot easier. We have a system right now with a booking software in our in our, our venues, and it's very easy. So when the manager visits the T box number one, two, three, they just put it in there. Brooke visited table one, two, three. Now I know. So if I ever have an issue with something, I know if the manager visited or not. And, uh, and it helps teach the people, hey, a lot of managers don't like to interact with the guests, so nor, nor do the team members. But once they learn how to do these and they they see it, not every visit you know, up to a table is a complaint. Heck, 99 out of 100 are probably good. Now all of a sudden they want to do them because they're hearing good things. So uh, you know, I think a lot of those are the kind of things that you need to put systems into place for the, for the managers and the, the team members so that they – learn it's okay to do some of these things and deliver some of these behaviors for, for the clients. So TJ, a minute ago, you talked a little bit about culture. Um, actually, you've talked a lot about culture, but you mentioned it specifically when you talked about, you know, a not so great leader. And I'm curious if you can talk to us a little bit about what do you look for, for a leader that doesn't match the culture or is not, um, uh, you know, fulfilling the culture when you say even at a high level, that leader may need to be, you know, replaced or they're not a right fit and that kind of thing. Because I think sometimes leaders get to a certain spot and they may stay there too long and they do a lot of damage to an organization. So I'm curious what you look for, for that right fit for a leader, especially at a high level. Uh, that's a, you know, I think if I could uh, give that answer, I probably wouldn't be here, here talking to you. I'd probably have written a book and be getting paid six figures to teach everybody how to do that stuff. Um, you, you know, I think we've, I've seen tests, pre-employment assessments, gut field interviews. I don't think anybody has the secret, really has the secret sauce. What I try to do with, with our leaders is I either mystery shop them or I teach our GMs to mystery shop the managers. If somebody's still employed right now, go look at their business where they're working right now. Check them out at that restaurant. See what's going on because it's very easy to fool somebody in an interview and give you the right answers, but it's a little bit hard for them to fake it. Um, if they're not working somewhere else or you can't really do that, you know, have them mystery shop your business to see what are they talking about? Did they just point out all the negatives? Did they recognize the things that are, do, that are being done right? Because that's their DNA. Uh, and then I think the last thing that I learned um, kind of a, a recruitment hack, if you will, was everybody says call for references and nobody, we all know, don't give everything out. Um, I learned from a, one of my former GMs a long time ago. He said, I would just call and if the employee, you know, employee asked, phone, answered the phone, he said, oh, hey, did you used to work with Joe, the manager? Yeah. What was he like? Oh, and the employees typically haven't been through the HR training and they don't know they're not supposed to say anything. And he would, he would kind of use that for Intel to just try and find out what the staff really thought about that manager. And so, you know, I think you, you have to do a little bit of digging and I'm very envious of, of things like the NFL, you know, pro sports where they can watch game film on a, a player from college. They can do a combine and tryouts. I wish we had all that in the restaurant business. Mm -hmm. I wish we could, you know, see the game film of a manager in another a, a prior job or 
get them to try out, but you can kind of take some of those, those same steps. What I would tell you where most people fail is I, again, I use the NFL a lot. They know that a linebacker needs to run this fast, jump this high, bench press this many pounds. The offensive linemen are different. The quarterbacks are different. The Every position that they're looking for has a different set of needs. And I think many in the, in the entertainment space and the managers, unfortunately, just simply say, I need somebody to work four to 12 and I got to go find somebody to fill that role not realizing it, what are they customer facing? Are they back of the house? What, what's the DNA that those great employees that, that you have today or your great managers, what's the DNA that they have and go find that, that right fit that matches the, the talent level that, that skill set that you're looking for. I think it's interesting that you mentioned uh, the importance of mystery shopping the managers. Um, I've, I've done a lot of work in the in the mystery shopping space, and when think of when people think of mystery shopping, they think of it from uh, from the frontline employees. But the management yeah. need you know need that, uh, or I would say the executives need that information about their management just as much as the management needs that you know that that information about uh, about the employees as well. So actually, kind of on on that topic of sort of. Uh, you know, measuring performance, what do you see in terms of, or what do you advise? What are, I would say like your uh, best practices, uh, whether it's about management or even frontline staff and being able to, whether it's using tools like mystery shopping and, and measuring staff performance towards leading to those, those goals and ensuring that they're, uh, that they're meeting their expectations. You know, I think a lot of businesses, you've seen this, if the multi-unit manager or the regional or whatever level, or even the GM, if they're, all they're talking about is what's food cost and what's labor, that's all the employees are going to care about. Uh, are you talking about your retention levels? Are you talking about service levels? And so as an example, in fact, we were just working on ours. Uh, we call it a, a Big Shots Wrap, Weekly Rapid Acceleration Program. And it's sales, people, profits, facility, events. And so it's essentially a template for the managers to look at and take all the vital signs for our business in all those areas and then share them with the staff. I want, I want the staff to know if our food cost is too high or if our labor is too high. I, I want them to understand our business and, and going through and, and not just putting out an email with the negative complaint that you got one out of a hundred, but getting them to understand we're in the frequency business. I, I need to drive people here five, six, seven times a year and, and so therefore I need 80% of my surveys to be a five out of five, not just a four out of five. And, and so educating your staff and developing them so that they're starting to look for opportunities. Like in our case, be the unexpected, make them feel like a big shot. That's, that's giving them a five. And, and so look at the vital signs that are, that are imperative to run your business, share them with the staff, teach your managers how to look for those behaviors. And pretty soon those little minor improvements will add up over time. TJ, I'm curious. Um, obviously, you, you talk a lot about providing service and and you, the, the unexpected uh, experiences. I'm curious from your perspective as a consumer, have you been someplace where you've gotten like unexpectedly great service that you just kind of kind of you know kind of hold on to that story and that's a story you tell in training and things like that. I'm curious if if you could share one of those. Um, yeah, you know, I don't think I have a specific story to tell, but what I what I really look for. I mean, I'm in Ubers a lot and it's like, you know, is the Uber driver, do they really care about being there? I've gotten in Ubers before the guy's got, you know, the offensive music cranked up super loud and doesn't care about me. And then there's others that use my name, thank me, help me with the lug, give me a bottle of water. 
it's it's those little types of nuanced behaviors. They know if you're there. Um, and, and this is even, you know, with car repair business, you go get your oil changed and they're, you know, they got the cold bottle of water for you and those kind of things. It's, it's just those little basic things. Cause at the end of the day, I think you guys might've said this earlier, the expectations when somebody goes out to eat, goes to a car repair place, goes to a bank, they're not very high. So you don't have to really do something just crazy and outlandish to be better than your competitor, uh, no matter what line of business you're in to get them to come back. And, and I think the key is, it's the business has to be consistent about it. And unfortunately you go into uh, one part of the, like I'm a member of the country club, right? Cause we, we have a golf, the golf staff at the country club where I go phenomenal. They always know who I am. The going to eat dinner. Right, what's your member number? S seven, seven, nine, seven. Okay. I'm, I'm S seven, seven, nine, seven to them in the same environment, in the same physical space. I get treated one way in the golf environment and I get treated just like everybody else in the food environment. And so it happens to all of us. I have great employees and I have employees that don't quite get it. So the challenge is to get everybody at a consistent level so that no matter where, what location, what guests, what employee, they get a, they get a solid, consistent experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then kind of even uh, tying that back to, you know, some of the things that, you know, we talked about earlier of making everyone feel like a big shot, delivering those, mm -hmm. those wow experiences too. You know, you mentioned the, the expectation kind of across the board is relatively low. So the, the ability to exceed expectations is, uh, you know, it's, it's there that, you know, that opportunity is right there. And it's about, oftentimes it's just about going a little bit above and beyond, but doing it, like you said, consistently and doing it, doing it regularly. Uh, you gave the example of, of just that one guest who uh, just wasn't swinging the club uh, correctly, mm -hmm. just you offering him a few minutes of your time. I turned actually into a, a great, that feeling that, uh, that he had that phenomenal experience, which means that delivering those wow experience doesn't always need to cost anything. And it certainly doesn't need to cost very much in most instances. You said the the one uh the one child who came and you know they got the they got the drink, you know, you know, comped for them that something mm -hmm. like that has a relatively low cost, but a very high value. Uh, so can you share any other any other examples or any instances or any other stories of those wow experiences that really show that going above and beyond does not need to be uh, extravagant or expensive to be remarkable and very memorable? Yeah, I'll give you two. One, um, I, I try and answer all the, the Google reviews that, that get posted up, and we got a one-star review. And um, so I just put my personal email on there. Hey, sorry, we fell short. I'd love to learn what we did so we can get it fixed. Here's my email. I get an email a week or two later from a gentleman who had visited. He said, hey, I found your email because uh, you answered a Google review. It wasn't the person that did the review. He said, but I was in your location, and there was this guy named Joe who was given a golf lesson to a kid and I wanna get a lesson from Joe. Now, Joe is one of our staff members, we call him Papa Funk. This, this is like the rock star employee of all that we have here. This guest found my name on a Google review to get in contact with us to find out about how to get a golf lesson from Joe because he was taking the little bit of you know, the lesson with the kids. And so you know, we've taken that then and, and we leveraged Joe and he's come up with all these games. And now our, our venue has a party squad. So you can go into our venues now and they're like shooting water balloons at the, the range picker out there that has a basket on the back now and has nothing to do with golf. But because of Joe and some of the employees here, you know, they've really just taken the ball and run with it. Again, we, we give them the guardrails and they, they know it's OK. The other thing, it actually happened to me the other day in the venue. And this is where 
when I'm in the venue as a leader, I always realize, hey, we might think when I'm talking on a podcast, everybody gets kind of what we're smoking here. But um, we had, in, we're right by Texas A&M University. So the schools have all come back. We had about 400 fraternity kids, yeah, kids, I'm, I'm old, uh, 400 college students that, that are Russian fraternities in our venue. And there was three or four different ones at the time. And the, all they did was pay for bay time. They didn't, they're not ordering food. They're all drinking water. And our, you know, it's Monday afternoon and our employees are like, Oh man, this, this sucks. I'm not making any money. You know, managers are like, Oh, we got the, you know, we got all these kids in there. They're, they're all just drinking water. I said, so in my head, they're not getting the, here's everyone a big shot. It was kind of like, Oh, these guys aren't spending any money. That's the vibe they're going to get. That's, you know, the treatment they're going to get. I, I said to, uh, I was talking to the sales manager and, and she says, you know what? I have an idea. I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, I'm going to get on the PA system because uh, Tuesdays it's $12 tea boxes, $12 pizzas and $12 pitchers with your college ID. She got it. She gets on the PA system to 400 kids that are freshmen at this university. And I know they're not old enough to drink yet, but she says, Hey, all you Aggies, howdy. It's Monday. Hope you're enjoying big shots. Probably your first time here. Come back every Tuesday with your college ID, $12 tea box, $12 pizzas. And if you're old enough, $12 pitchers of beer. That's somebody that gets, look, there's 400 kids here that aren't spending any money. We're not going to make a lot today, but what a targeted ad to drive my business to get them to come in every Tuesday. And that, that's the kind of stuff that you need to educate the staff on because like we tried to tell the staff servers, hey, imagine these 400 kids aren't here right now. Guess what? How much money are you going to make? Zero. All right. Now, I also did learn though, if you know, we have like a 20% service charge tip deal and these things where they're not going to spend any money in our service, we got to raise the service charge to make sure we take care of our people because if they're just making their, their minimum wage and there's really not a lot in the tip in it for them, why do they want to work? So, you know, it, it was a lesson learned all around for everybody. I got to work on the culture a little bit. I got to work on the system so that it's a little more equitable to our employees in these, these one-off events. But some of our team members already got it. This is a great marketing opportunity. And so that's when you, you know, you, you see those kind of things. That's when you, you kind of get the culture happening down to the front line. And, and at the end of the day, the business is going to benefit the guests are. And so are the team members. So TJ, we are uh, kind of running uh, a low on time a little bit here, but I, there's one thing I really want to kind of get your, your thoughts on because you've been in the entertainment business for so long, Chuck E. Cheese, now big shots and doing your consulting business. And I don't want to, you know, ask specifically what Big Shots is doing in, in 2024. I want to I want to leave that off the table, but yeah. I'm wondering if you can talk in general terms, where do you see the entertainment industry going? Like some big trends and things like that, that, um, you know, you see kind of happening in the next five to 10 years. You know, I think if you look at it right now, we all, we all suffered during COVID and, and especially, uh, you know, a lot of the, the family, the indoor entertainment places where we couldn't go. Some of the outdoor ones, I mean, golf, the golf business, as an example, has boomed because of COVID, because it was outdoors. And so I think there's a lot of a kind of a whiplash effect right now. Everybody is going to these places because it was such, you know, two, two and a half years of pent up demand. And I, I think where you see everything going these days is a lot more of the socialization piece is, is huge, whether it's an amusement park, a family entertainment center, you know, some sort of location-based entertainment. People just want to be around other people. I, we work remote, we're doing Zoom calls, we're doing, you know, these kind of things. This is kind of our normal business 
I want to be around people. I, I want to be in an office. I want to be around my teammates. Not everybody wants to do that these days, but I always joke around. I worked at home for 20 years. I'm ready to be around and have a real job. But I think as you, you look into this, this people want to be around their team members. They want to have some more personal interactions. Um, on the flip side, as a leader, because we're also used to doing this and we turn our cameras off, that if you're in a, a business where you have face-to-face contact with the guest, there's some skills that you're going to need to teach. Um, I, I had a server the other day in a restaurant and he talked to my wife and I, like we're 16 year old kids. Yeah, yeah, sure, 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 dudes. Okay, got it. Yeah, no problem. Sure, sure. I'm like, you're not talking to your, your buddies that, you know, you, you have to be taught how to talk to older people a little bit differently. It's not that it was bad or wrong, but it, it's just not, I think, what the, the, the business leader in that, that restaurant was looking for. So I think you're going to see people want to be social and come back together. So use those opportunities. I think the bar's getting raised, you know, as competitors come out there and, and people like in the golf entertainment space, we have putting now and we have indoor simulators and we have the outdoor ranges. Well, there's a lot more competition and now you got darts and, you know, there's all these, all these places popping up and the trampoline parks have morphed into indoor amusement parks. Now they, where's the indoor amusement park and the outdoor amusement park lines. So it's really just keep evolving with your guests and, and you can't just sit still or you're going to get run over. And, and you see that with brands like urban air and Chuck E. Cheese and some of these other ones that continue to reinvent themselves and that's why they're, they're going to have a long, long, long runway for success. Yeah, uh, it's a fantastic conversation. We really appreciate your time. Um, as we start to wind this down here, if people want to uh, get a hold of you directly, if they want to learn more about Big Shots Golf, where would you send them? Um, I would send them to bigshotsgolf.com if they want to see anything about us. Um, my email is tj.schier at invitedclubs.com. Uh, I took down my speaking website and everything since I really don't do that anymore, but um, find me. Heck, just go look at Google reviews for Big Shots Golf. You'll probably see my email address <laughs> there if you, if you happen to forget it, but um, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn and everywhere else. I like to, to talk about what we're doing out here, and you know, I think my last tip for everybody as a, as a leader is be curious. Um, see what everybody else is doing. My, my staff, our, our team can tell you, I'm, I've become this huge uh, business crush on the Savannah Bananas. The, these guys have reinvented baseball, and I've, I've been following them for years. Now they're on ESPN, and everybody's kind of found out their secret. But we now look at what are these crazy ideas that people are doing that you can build into your brand. So, you know, be curious, see what everybody else is doing out there, and figure out how you can bring those types of things back into your business, make them a little more fun, make, make your business a little more successful. Yeah, absolutely. I know Josh has, has mentioned Savannah Bananas before, so um, great, great advice. Well, TJ, again, it was great to to catch up and see you again, and uh, yeah. thank you so much for your time today. And for everybody out there who's watching and listening, just remember, we are all attraction pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release, and even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.